I'm Savannah, and this is your co-host, Gracie. I don't know why I said that like a question. Oh, that's kind of new, because usually I feel like you're a little more flat about it. <laughs> like, Gracie. That's also, well. I'm being paid to be here. I do have a deep, I do feel like my, um, my personality is just flat in general. Like an alto? Yeah. But like, like in a, girl like personified? Yes. Okay. My, yes, you know, you I, my fursoms that I learned, they may have to cut this out. Although, I don't know, it's our last episode, so they can leave it in. Um, was you make me mad, but I like, you said that, like your, yeah, I was like, you make me mad. And that's the first sentence I ever, I think that just kind of, you know, embodies who you're the vibe. Yeah. That's happening. Yeah. You really do give me, who's that character? Is it like Linda or something with the glasses? The cartoon character. Tina. Tina. No, the other one, the one that's like like really monotone all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Me neither. So I'm sorry (laughs) if if that's insulting. No, it's I think it's a compliment. But regardless, we're here to introduce our last episode of the season, um, which was carried on the backs of Cole and Emily. That makes us that makes us sound so bad. (laughs) They're doing this willingly, you guys. Um But Cole and Emily have been helping us out. You've heard their voices, and we'll get a little bit more into it, but they'll be taking the reins of the podcast. I'm really excited for what they have in store for the future. And today, they are speaking with Acre Trader and learning a little bit about building a company culture in sort of a startup format, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting because the NWA startup community is so close-knit and we hear so much about it in the Walton College at least Mm -hmm. I'm not sure does that kind of bleed into have you heard a lot about it or any noise about it in humanities I think in a a little bit I that's why I'm kind of excited to hear Morgan since she has a background um in like the English program and now she's the head of HR and like she knows so much about startups um, I think we're increasingly learning about it, but I, th- I think it's relatively new. Um, but that's like, I was excited when they said it was her because I've, I don't know her, but I've heard her name mm-hmm. pass through the, like all good things, all like for an example of like what, um, you know, an alternative to academia can look like and how fulfilling mm-hmm. that can be. Um, so yeah, so I was excited to I'm really excited too to see some more representation from like humanities degrees. I think we've seen kind of like a pattern and I'm not sure if there's a correlation between like having a lot of people from different places and building a really strong company culture foundation, but I definitely think we've seen that pattern throughout. Mm -hmm. So with that, I will let Cole and Emily get into introducing Morgan and AcreTrader. Hello, Walton listeners. I'm Cole Eichelberger. I'm Emily Kelly. And today we're interviewing Morgan Schultz. Morgan is the Vice President of Human Resources at AcreTrader, an online farmland and fintech investment company. Prior to working for AcreTrader, Morgan was the Director of Programs and Partnerships for Startup Junkie and is a graduate of the University of Arkansas's Master's Program in Rhetoric and Composition, Morgan, thank you for joining us today, and you have a long list of accomplishments and and careers, so if there's something I've left out that needs to be brought up, please let us know. 
No way. That was, uh, you know, everybody squirms when you read their bio. So this is, let's just keep moving on. That's perfect. <laughs> so um, I actually, when I was looking through your LinkedIn and like your information part of the interview, I saw, obviously you've been very involved in Startup Junkie and I actually am taking a class right now from Jeff Amarin. Um, it's an entrepreneurship class and it's been really, really cool. Like he's great professor, like learning about entrepreneurship, um, especially from someone, you know, that founded a startup company like that has been great. And so, um, kind of segueing into our first question, which involves startups. Um, I was just wondering what steps have you taken within your career and your various involvement with startup companies that you feel have attributed to your huge successes? Well, thank you, man. I want to take that class with Jeff. I remember when I, uh, you know, first, first got to know him and the team, I was like, that's man, sign me up. How can I enroll in that class? But that, that wasn't quite conducive to my schedule. It's a great program. So I'm so glad you're in that. Um, yeah, I think that for me, um, Let's see. My first my first job out of college was um, director of downtown development and promotions for Main Street Salem Springs, which was a historic preservation, economic revitalization, nonprofit organization um, in, as you may guess, historic downtown Salem Springs, which is really lovely. Um, and in my capacity, in, in that role, I got the chance to help several businesses, brick and mortar, um, start and that are still in operation to this day. And, um, and so I think that was like the, the beginning for me, the beginning of exposure to, you know, that those foundational stages in starting a business and just seeing all of the, all of the work and scrutiny that goes into that process and the preparation. Um, and then from there, I think that, supporting startups and small businesses has just always been um, hugely important to me because this is this is how community is built. It's by the people who live here and who are investing, choosing to invest their whole lives and livelihoods in creating um, in creating business and creating additional opportunity for others in their community. And so, um, you know, I feel like in all of my roles where I've been in direct and indirect support of small businesses and startups, it truly is community development. And that's something that, um, you know, whether whether or not we're, you know, aware of it is is inherently so important to all of us. That's amazing. It's incredible to hear about all the different involvements you've had with different companies and the impact that you've had on these companies and the segue that your impact has in the companies that go into, like you're saying, like impact on community, like that is just fantastic. And it's been, it's so incredible always, you know, as myself being a business major, um, I'm majoring in three business majors, marketing management and supply chain. And so always being able to you know, kind of just look up to really strong women in business that have accomplished so much like yourself. It's always incredible, like to hear about it and to see what they're doing. And so that kind of leads me a little bit into the next question that I had. Um, as like I said, a very strong female business leader, what would be your biggest takeaway of advice for upcoming business women, business women students, or just any women in general? Yeah. 
Man, that's that's always such a great question because I feel like, you know, advice could and should vary from person to person and situation to situation. But I think what I can always universally say is um, is like throw yourself into the deep end and sign up for more than you think you can handle because the greatest fulfillment comes when we take the opportunity to bet on ourselves and say, you know what? I haven't done this before. I don't know if I have everything it takes, but I'm going to give it everything I have. And that's this like incredible fulfilling point of of this tension point, I think, where we have in one hand, some experience, some expertise, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of, you know, commitment, innovation, we know, you know, what we have to offer. And then at the same hand, at the same time, in the other hand, we have like, a degree of terror of the unknown, because maybe we haven't done this before. It feels so big or so new, but man, when you put those things together, to me, that is the, that is the like, ideal point of tension for anyone, whether they're starting a business, supporting a business, you know, growing and developing in their career as a business person is um, to, you know, to, to often bite off more than you think you can chew and watch how you show up for yourself and you build that trust in yourself and build that confidence in yourself as you continually to uh you know just put your put yourself in situations where you're like man never done this before i've got a lot to learn and and here i go that was incredible advice what would you say would be good ways to go about you know, jumping into the deep end and, you know, doing the full thing, like pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Like what would be good ways for like young businesswomen to kind of go about that? I mean, I think those, we have a saying here at Acre Trader that I love. Um, We have 10, we have 10 core values. And one of them is you have to work really hard to get lucky. And I translate that as a as an attitude of opportunism. So we work really hard. I want to be known as a really hardworking, dependable person of excellence who's innovative and creative and compassionate and all of these things. You know, I know how I want to represent myself as a person and as a professional. And so I work really hard to, you know, do what I do well as well as I can. And at the same time, I'm I'm continually looking for opportunities and continually looking for like, what's next? How can I add value? How can I take on that project? Maybe that doesn't directly pertain to me, but yeah, I want to weigh in. I want to, you know, I want to be a part of that. And so I think that, I think um, that the, you know, the two, the two part, the twofold um, answer to that question would be one, um, you know, present and represent yourself in a way that you are proud of and in a way that you are um, creating and growing your own reputation in whatever community you're in. That's your peers, that's your professors, that's your workplace. Every person is a potential employer, a potential colleague, a potential business partner, every person. And so purport yourself in a way that you are proud and that you are a person that you would want to do business with. And then be opportunistic. Always look, always ask and be be poised and ready for when that when that opportunity and invitation comes. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom. That was incredible. <laughs> To jump off of that, uh, you brought up uh, the 10 core values that y'all have. Mm-hmm. 
One of the things that uh, I wanted to ask about, especially someone who works in H with HR and who focuses not only on company culture, but also sort of like the, the culture of the towns around them. What are some of the good soft skills that employees bring into companies that best translate into like building those company cultures? Oh, man, that's that's a that is a multifaceted question. And I think, again, it varies context to context. So, um, it, for example, there's a there's like a, a certain proclivity or tendency um, or personality type almost that is drawn to the startup, not personality, but, um, you know, people who are drawn to the startup world are typically ambitious, opportunistic, somewhat risk tolerant, like change and like growth and um, have a lot of flexibility because all of those things are required to be sustained in a startup environment. You never know what's going to happen. Your job will, you know, fluctuate and change from one day to the next. And, um, and you want that opportunity to, you know, start as an intern and be able to be, you know, the VP of the company someday. Um, so I think, I think that if I were answering this question in the context of the startup scene, what kind of what kind of skills or characteristics are important, then it absolutely is that ambition, adaptability, um, initiative. Um, I think communicativeness is incredibly important because in a startup, everyone's work very much interacts and over overlaps with with everyone else's and um and a, a sense of personal pride and ownership, because in a small business startup, you're not doing a job, you are building a company. And that's something that is um, terrifying and thrilling at the same time. And some people don't want that. Some people want a job. Some people want a job where they can check off their list and feel that sense of accomplishment, knowing that they have done everything that's been asked of them to do. And you never have that feeling at a startup. Your work is never done. <laughs> there is no checking off the proverbial to-do list. And, um, you know, and that's, I think, why why we, you know, there's there can be such a trend for burnout because there's there's no there's no one saying, cool, this is done. We're finished. You've got, you know, check the box, you're done. There's always more to do. And so if you don't really, I think, you know, create those those boundaries and separate the difference between urgency and emergency and understand how to prioritize um, and strategize, then it can be really hard and it can be a draining and taxing environment. But um, But at the same time, you know, if you like change, if you like if you like opportunity and if you like to, um, you know, have that feeling of like, okay, I've got, here's what I've got to offer and here's what I've got to learn. Let's do this. Um, then that, that's a, that's a startup environment's a, a very good one for you. Yeah. G going off of that, um, real quick, first yeah. off, the energy, I love the amount of energy that comes out of like, you know, when we start talking about <laughs> startups and the energy that really goes into, you know, taking ownership of your own work and your own company and seeing its progress through it. Honestly, it's kind of like when you talk about owning your own farm, the, the work is mm -hmm. constantly have something else to do. Can I ask, how do, I guess you'd say, how do the values and the skills needed to run a startup change as that startup becomes a more established company, just go by and it's no, no and things get set. How, how do yeah. the sets change for that? Absolutely. I think that as a company grows, and matures 
so must leadership and so must must processes. And while values hopefully do not change, the manifestation or how those values play out or translate do change with the, you know, growing number of people. I think um I think one thing, you know, that I I see a lot and that's that scares me is the sense in startups to protect culture and to preserve culture. And culture is alive and living and changing. And every person that you bring onto your team, you should be asking yourself, how is this person additive to what we are doing, accretive to our culture? Because it's going to change. So is this person going to help it help it change and, and flourish in the direction that we want that is in alignment with our values? Or is this person going to resist and detract from that culture that, that you know, we're building and growing? Okay, I don't know. Did I answer your question? No, no, no. I feel like I went on a little culture, little culture train. Oh, I feel like in answering a question about how the individual changes, you have to talk about mm. how the whole changes. It's sort of the that whole oh, idea yeah. of the individual, or is it the society, or is it simply a conversation between both of them? Yes, and okay. Thank you for thank you for bringing me back on track. I think that as a, a, a startup changes and grows, how individuals have to change and grow is they have to specialize eventually. And so, you know, when you're when you're building a company and there's 10 people in a room and you're all doing everything, then there's a problem. 10 people swarm and solve the problem for no matter what their title is, no matter what their role is. And as a company grows, then we can't have, that's that's absolutely inefficient. And we need people who are specializing and really going deep rather than wide. And that's frankly, a really tough, a really tough transition for leaders in a company who are, who love that. Like we're all in this together. We're breathing the same air. We're, you know, speaking the same language. You're finishing each other's sandwiches to, you know, now we're at the point where I might not know what that person's doing. I might not be, be a part of the solving of that specific problem. And so I think one thing that's so important and so hard is um, for people to, um, specialize and, and focus on how they can add a more narrow strategic value to the company um, rather than everyone do everything. Okay, cool. But it's hard because when you work at a startup, you like being part of all of the problems and all of the solutions. And so that is a like, it's a real pain point. Yeah. Uh, going Real quick, one more thing I wanted to ask about just the company culture and about the individuals coming in. Um, I've heard that the Acre Trader interview process, it takes <laughs> a little bit of time. Y'all spend some time. You get to know people. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> no, no, and that, I think it's such an interesting thing in talking about how companies interview for talent. And I wanted to know, uh, for folks who, you know, they're you know, just starting to do interviews, or they're just getting used to, you know, trying to represent themselves in an interview situation, mm-hmm. there's some... Like, what are some mistakes that you see really commonly, especially from young people that maybe would be, things we can work on, things we can hopefully teach them to do better and better represent themselves in that process? Yeah. That's a great question. And and the answer for what is a successful interview at AgriTrader might be different than what's a successful interview in a you know, corporate setting or somewhere else. Um, so we, we have... Yes, we have a very extrapolated interview process and it's working. So we have 
no motivation to change it. We hire incredible people. Um, I am, I am so honored every day to work with the people that I work with and every survey that we do, every stay interview that I conduct over and over again, the same answer is true of what you, from employees of what they love most about working here. And it's they get to solve really unique problems with really incredible people, not just smart people, empathetic people, learning people who care and are self-reflective and want to be better individuals and professionals. Um, so it works. We have great people here. The process is for us, you know, we have a screening call, then a technical interview. And in that we're assessing if we think the person has the skills, experience, ex expertise, and aptitude to do the job. So, you know, can you do this work? Do we feel like you have what we need for the actual work? And that's pretty long. There's usually a project involved um, and it depends on the role, what the project is. And you discuss that project. And so that's meant to sort of exhibit your work and then discuss, you know, your, your capacity for the role. And then if that goes well, and if everyone involved in that is like two thumbs up, hell yeah, this person's awesome. Can we swear? Yeah, we can, can edit that out. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we swear mind. a lot here. Okay. I just I was like, oh, should I censor myself? It's more um, <laughs> real. I was told that this is recorded and will be edited. Yes. Yes. Okay. Anything that you feel needs to be taken out, we'll take it out. But I don't believe we've had any. I don't think there's been any real social faux pas that have occurred thus far. Okay. Well, as as the head of HR, I will try not to be the first. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll see. Um. Anyway, so after the technical interview, then we have an on-site cultural interview. So we'll fly people in um, forever, wherever that they're at, or if they're local, they'll come in. And they're on-site with us for about five hours, and they have back-to-back -back interviews with about 12 different members of the Acre Trader team. And these are new employees, tenured employees, people from marketing, people from development, people from the executive leadership team, people from in, you know, beginning entry-level positions. And we've trained this specific cohort of interviewers on how to conduct a cultural interview and what we're looking for. And so they, they conduct these interviews and then it ends with either a lunch or a happy hour with the prospective team. And everyone then goes and submits copious notes in, um, in a system that we have to our applicant tracking system. And the hiring manager reviews all of those, follows up with every interviewer if there was anything concerning. And then if we have anything, follow-up concerns or questions, then I or the manager will call the candidate and say, hey, here's some things that came up. What's your response? And then there's a, a final interview with the um, CEO and or COO of the company. Um, so it's a long, long process. And um, I think that you're back to your original question, which you asked me two hours ago in my long and winding answer um, since then is what what are some common failures or struggles for people um, that interview at Acre Trader really come in at the cultural component. And so the technical interview, we're looking for what you can do. The cultural interview, we're looking for how you're going to do it. 
How are you going to show up? How are you going to solve problems? How are you going to treat people when you are stressed and when they are stressed? How are you going to communicate? How are you going to purport yourself? How are you going to receive feedback? How are you going to give feedback? And that is just as, if not more important, the how is much more important to us than the what. Um, so we we don't just care that you can come in and do, do the job. We care that you come in, you do the job, and you are contributory to this culture and to this community, and that you are building this company in a way that it grows into a company that we all still want to work at. Um, and so I think one thing that's often challenging, especially for people who maybe are early in their career, um, you know, we're, we're often taught and trained to like present yourself in the best light. And if anyone asks a hard question, you know, like admit no defeat. And, um, and in our cultural interview, we want to hear about like when you've messed up, because what's most important, one, another one of our core values is that mistakes happen, use them to get better. That's an expectation. We move fast. That doesn't mean we move sloppy. We try to be very careful and make good decisions and run due diligence around processes. But sometimes we move fast and mistakes happen. That's an expectation. But what's the next and most important part is how you handle those mistakes. Do you hide them? Do you cover them up? Do you deflect them to someone or something else or say, well, they didn't get back to me or it's out here in the in the in the other or do you take every bit of responsibility that you can possibly take for your part and your involvement in this process? Do you take ownership? And then do you outline what you will do differently next time and what you learned from that mistake? And so I think that we really ask questions that are targeted to see if someone, A, is okay with messing up because you're gonna. And if if you're not, you know, used to it and don't know how to react to it, then that can create problems as well. Um, and then and then how you how you respond and, and handle that, and um, and how people you know give and receive feedback. And and so I think you know when we ask questions like, hey, what's the last piece of critical feedback you ever got? A a trained college graduate answer could be, well, you know my my boss told me I'm too much of a perfectionist, right? Because I think sometimes you're trained to like always, even in the negative, make that like, I'm just, I'm just such a hard worker. My boss had to tell me to go home because I'm just so overcommitted to my task. And, and for us, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for like, you know, when someone said, hey, you messed this up or hey, you, you know, you misrepresented yourself or this information and how you took it and how you responded to it and what the outcome was. Um, and so I think, yeah, this is a, such a long answer, but I think that things that, you know, can trip people up in our interviews when they, um, they are, are committed to presenting only the best version of themselves. And we want to see, you know, all of you and, you know, radical transparency is another value of ours. And, and we try to be really transparent with candidates like, Hey, this is what it's like to work here. It's awesome. Sometimes. And it's tough sometimes, mostly awesome, I hope. But um, but we try, try to be really transparent with candidates and we, we want and hope that they are with us as well. I hate to um, ask this question or go revisit this topic after you, you know, have talked about how great y'all's company culture is and the people that work there and the ways you go about that and 
you know, getting that environment. Um, so I, I really do hate to revisit this topic, but going back to what you were touching on earlier regarding how, um, when like the question about uh, soft skills and how that translates into beneficial cu- culture building skills, um, touching on, you know, how obviously, especially with startups, there's so many people that are all like share some similar personality traits or characteristics in the sense of, you know, being a hard worker, being really dedicated, being driven, that in the combination of what you were also talking about regarding how with a startup, you know, there's always an endless to-do list. It can be easier to get burnt out. How would you say you go about approaching handling the stress of working in that kind of, you know, fast paced developing environment where there's just always something going on, always something to do. Yeah, that's, it's a great question. And the burnout is real. The challenge is real. I, it's, I see it here and I, um, and then I, again, I, I will absolutely not look at you and say, no one here is ever burnt out. We don't ever ask too much of employees. Um, because again, you know, well, the, the work is endless. And, um, so, to me, the um, the answer is within me. <laughs> like I'm the only, only I feel like Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. Only I can prevent my own burnout, and that's part of my responsibility to myself and my team and how I contribute to culture. Is I live and work in a way that is sustainable, so that I'm modeling that for the people around me. Because um, we, yeah, again, there's there's always more to do. There, it will it will never be enough. The you know the the there will always be more to do. But if I don't advocate for myself, and if I don't create those boundaries, and if I don't have the skills, frankly to prioritize my time and tasks and projects and just let everything that comes across my plate be the most important thing, then I'm probably not the right person for this role. I probably shouldn't be in a leadership position because that is part of my responsibility here in this company is to know that you know we're drinking out of a fire hydrant. And so how, how can I that's not the greatest metaphor. There's always, there's always more to do. And so how, how can I be the greatest value to this company? And it's, it's not by being exhausted and overextended and um, ultimately resentful. And so it's my job to sustain my job. (laughs) And, and I, as much as I want to, and as much as I try, there is like, I can't force people. I can't force grown adults to self-regulate and to, um, you know, to, to have those, you know, hopefully healthy boundaries of, I think a skill and a value that we um, have to have to cultivate in practice 
as, you know, as anything else is being able to prioritize, being able to say, cool, this is emergency. Great. I'm going to drop everything and pay attention to that. Or, oh, that seems pressing. However, it can fall in line behind this other priority. And, um, but really that is like, ultimately every individual's responsibility to do and to be able to say, I need a break. And, um, and I, I, I can do that for myself and um, I feel, you know, do that, do that well for myself so that I'm at my best and can add the most value and come to work every day with like joy and anticipation. I am so happy to be here. I do hard things at work more than I've ever worked before in my life. And I have so such great joy and fulfillment in that. And I I don't want to get to the point where I feel anything other than that. Now, there are some hard days. I'm not saying I just walk around in euphoria all the time. That's certainly not true. But I've someone said something about Sunday scaries, and I'd never heard that term before. And, and I've never felt that here. Um, and and I, I want that to be true of every employee that works here at Acre Trader. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't believe in micromanagement and I believe it's everyone's responsibility is to manage their own time and their own priorities and their lives and ensure, you know, that they are like living, fulfilling and abundant lives while given it all they've got here at Acre Trader. All right. I've got one last question I wanted to ask you before we let you go. Uh, when we were, um, looking back on your career, one of the things I noticed is that you have a Master of Arts degree from the University of Arkansas in Rhetoric and Composite. Oh, yeah. I wanted to double check, did you go through the process of, you know, teaching two classes while taking all of your courses? And how did the degree better prepare you to really organize your time? Because it seems like, you know, time organization and respecting the time that you have and respecting your boundaries really seems to be quite like, an important thing for your role and for really any role where you're doing Mm-hmm. amount of work yeah well and just to be very clear I don't have it figured out I like just yesterday I was talking with a colleague and I was like man how can I how can I not be in 30 hours of meetings a week and how can I respect my own like focus time that I put on my own calendar and not just plow through that with other like so I the struggle is real I don't have it figured out I'm still learning and will always be learning and and that will be a constant you know a constant invitation to grow but um but yeah Grad school at the U of A was awesome. Grad school, first of all, is so fun because you just get to do the thing that you care the most about. And undergrad is great too, because you have to take a lot of different classes and hopefully get exposed to things that you wouldn't otherwise voluntarily be exposed to, like calculus. Um, But the grad school, you just get to spend all your time doing the thing that is the most interesting to you. It's so fun. And yeah, I taught um, I taught composition one and two while in school. And then also um, my thesis project was actually doing a curricular analysis of the comp, what is now the comp one curriculum, um, the community ethnography. And um, and so that was. That was so rewarding and relevant because I was teaching that class and then I was interviewing other teachers who were piloting that class and conducting interviews with students who were taking the class and then revising that curriculum um, to help it, you know, get to the point that it's at today. So you're, I'm sorry, everyone who's 
has that class. Just kidding. Um, but um, yeah, so I think that I think in in some ways, like everything felt very interconnected. And so, you know, it didn't feel like I had to switch gears between like a class I'm taking and a class I'm teaching. And I think that that's actually a really healthy place to be in all the time, like input output, you learn when you have to teach. And, you know, you, I actually, I just finished, I got my yoga teaching certification. And so I, and I teach yoga because I want to learn more yoga and I, I want to become, I want to deepen my own practice to sound really yogi about it. Um, and, you know, I think that, I think like, I encourage everyone in the company and on my team to be mentored and to mentor and so to receive and to give. And so um, I think grad school was that, you know, you're you're learning a ton, but then you're also imparting some of that learning and it feels very complimentary. Um, and then in terms of the actual work I did there and how that helped prepare me for, you know, my work now, curriculum development and design is totally what I do in HR. So I am creating a, you know, the curriculum of the employee experience from like what we post on our website with our job descriptions to how we conduct our interview process and train people to interview and leave reviews and then how that continues on to the offer letter and that whole like, and the, you know, reviews and performance management to the whole employee life cycle is a holistic experience, not just parts of, you know, parts, it's all one. And so I feel like everything that I did in grad school was very preparatory for what I do now. And I do a lot of teaching. Um, I do a lot of, of educating and um, am constantly learning and, and hopefully imparting that into, you know, my team and, and our employees here as we grow as managers and grow as leaders and grow as communicators. Perfect. Warren, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate you taking, that, again, taking the time for all of us to interview you. It has been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys for these really thoughtful questions. And yeah, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. talk buzz with yours truly and me gracie i was gonna make like a like a dun 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 but then oh maybe cole can edit that yeah (laughs) we should have a soundboard with noises (laughs) um but on a real note we had a great time listening back to this episode with cole and emily i thought it was a great transition into a new era Mm -hmm. and i really liked the discussion that was had about having a really extensive interview process Mm -hmm. and that being really important to a company for a fit because I feel like we always hear about people, individuals themselves trying to find out if they're a fit for a company, Mm -hmm. whereas this company, AcreTrader, is seeking out people who fit into their company culture. So Mm -hmm. the fact that it's kind of a mutual instead of it feels like Mm one-sided type of deal. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah, I liked it too. I also think it's cool to separate your interviews like in 
like a technical interview do they have the technical skills right. and then a cultural interview I think is what she called it mm-hmm. um but yeah I thought that was really cool too because I, I don't think I've ever I mean I think you know other companies probably interview multiple times but I don't think right. that it's that in depth I don't think it's that targeted or that specific um and it seems like Acre Trader also has a really like firm comedy culture foundation and so they know like the company that they have and that they want to have um and so seeing like how people can fit in I think I also think it's really cool I also really liked the um idea that the person that they interviewed with was actually an English major I believe Mm -hmm. yeah she got her master's in English shout out to my to my humanities people yeah I mean I think it goes to kind of show you I think that's also been a running theme um throughout this season and I wonder too if it's because we have you know so many humanities people that actually work in the lab like in addition to Walton people um but I think that's something that's been kind of a running thread through the season is kind of the diversity of jobs that you can get um, and, like, how to make your skills marketable in other industries. Um, And that's a big piece, I think, to having a good company culture, too, is people from all different types of backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I know it makes our company culture at the BCL really nice, and I feel like having some business-minded people who are familiar with that space and then people who are more familiar with the humanity space, having those two weaved together is a really good outcome for at least what we're trying to build here. And I just think that humanities degrees in general are a lot more marketable than um, I think some people realize. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show that you ultimately have the decision of where you'd like to go and what you want to do. And that's a big part of company culture as well. So Mm -hmm. I, I love seeing seeing outcomes mm. like that. I know. I think it will continue, hopefully, yeah. in the next seasons. Because um, we also, and the Cole is uh, humanities, and then Emily is uh, business. Right. So I think that's a good combination. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think having diversity of viewpoints and just life experiences and lived experiences is always going to be more beneficial. Uh, I feel like over the past two years that I've been working at the business communication lab, like I've learned a lot too. And that's something that I've really appreciated is kind of like, I don't know. I just had experiences here that I wouldn't have had. And I've developed skills here that I wouldn't have necessarily developed in the same way if I hadn't have worked here. So I agree. I feel like I've become so much more well-rounded and I can't say that I would have seen myself building such a strong skill set mm-hmm. and such a well-rounded skill set if I hadn't worked here. So shout out to the BCL <laughs> and I want to give one last shout out as well to the entire podcast team and just the BCL in general. So thank you to Cole and Anhala who are I guess kind of like our no not producers, editors. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say thank you to our social media team, which is Joaquin and Jackson, and also all of our hosts throughout the semester, Gracie, Sungman, Cole, and Emily. And with that, I also want to give a big shout out to 
Liza and Ryan for allowing this to happen and allowing, I don't know who thought it would be a good idea to put me and Gracie on uh, recording. But it was a good idea, so. It turned out not so bad. Like, the BCL is still here. Yeah, we didn't. So, well, this is it. I don't really have much else to say. Hags, everyone. (laughs) What is hags? Oh, have a great summer. Oh, God. See, I'm still learning. Like, even at the very last minute. You didn't write that in your yearbook? I wrote, like, have a great summer. Well, I don't think I wrote hags. You need to get with the the new lingo. I'm really learning. I'm also learning to be... um, lesson see so look at this look at this a business major and a humanities major who would have thought (laughs) well thank you all if you're looking to follow us on instagram you can follow us at walton underscore bcl and also if you're looking for some more episodes i'm sorry to tell you but we are going into the summer session but we'll be back soon with casual conversations about professional things. Thank you. Savannah out. Woo! Gracie also out. (laughs) 